Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. If you have questions about our church or following Jesus, feel free to reach out to us at info at theplantchurch.org. Now, here's today's message. Good morning, plant family. How are you today? It's so good to see your smiling faces. Have you enjoyed the weather this weekend? It's been amazing. I know you're all happier when it's been good weather, and I can tell on Sundays. You're like, yeah, it was great. It was great. Um, Well, welcome to the Plant Church. If we've not met before, my name is Andrew. I'm the pastor here at our West Milford campus, and I'm so thankful you've decided to join us this morning for worship. If you are new and you have not already received it, we have a small gift for you. Uh, Just to say welcome, you can connect with our, our connector team out in the lobby. We'd love to just give that gift to you, and I heard we were running short on uh, our the, the gift bags this morning, but we have a coffee mug for you, so you'd be like, hey, I heard there's a coffee mug for new people, so if you might not get the red bag, but you, you definitely want that coffee mug before you go today, uh, so don't be shy, Matt's out there today, he'll, he'll totally hook you up uh, with that mug, it just might not be in a bag today, we, we just discovered we ran out this morning of the bag, so Anyway, but welcome. I'm glad you're here. If you are new or you're visiting, uh, you're going to notice if you're, if you're uh, visiting and you got a bag, there's a little Connect card in there. We also have Connect cards out uh, on the table in the lobby. We also have the QR code on the seat back in front of you if you prefer a digital Connect card. But, but that is just a way for you to uh, share your information with us if you want to receive updates on things happening in the life of our church. Someone from our team will reach out to you just to say hi, to welcome you, to get to know you a little better and help you connect to things happening here at the Plant Church. Uh, it's been an amazing summer so far. What I love uh, is, is, is we recognize that we live in these different rhythms. So in the month of August, we kind of slow down a lot, uh, but we do want to direct you towards, I want to just mention two things. This isn't really an all event, but it's important, so I want to make sure I say it for the people in the room. If anyone here in the room is part of our kids' ministry team, just put your hand up real quick. Give a hand to our kids' ministry team real quick. Some of them are in the back. Uh, you probably already remembered this, but we're meeting after our morning service, uh, and so I want to encourage you to stick around for that kidsmen team. Uh, we we uh, have some just uh, big stuff for the year ahead coming up that we want to touch base on. Uh, but to that point, I want to make mention to everyone to save the date for Sunday, September 10th. This is our fall kickoff Sunday at 10.30 here at our West Milford campus. It's going to be an awesome Sunday as we celebrate uh, the the children of our church moving up. We do our grade promotion ceremony that Sunday. It's an opportunity to pray and and bless them. Uh, A couple other things that we'll be highlighting that Sunday just to let you know about some things happening in the ministry year, some opportunities to get connected to discipleship, to community, to following Jesus and being on mission here in West Milford. So mark your calendars. We'd love for you to be here uh, throughout August, but then on Sunday, September 10th, as we kick off uh, the new season of everyone kind of settling into their regular routines from the summer. We'd love for you to come out to that. So anyway, um, hey, if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open up with me to Isaiah chapter 55. You can Google it. You can uh, put it in a Bible app if you want. But I do want to encourage you to pull this passage up in some form. You're going to need it this morning because we're going to do things a little bit differently. <gasps> we're going to do things differently. I got to keep you on your toes. 
So uh, what I want to do is um, normally what we do is, is we'll open up the passage of Scripture, and I'll do a lot of explaining and talking. Hopefully sometimes it's helpful uh, for, for a little while. But what I want to do today is talk less, and I, I just sense that there's some really important stuff in this passage that we need to slow down and reflect on. So what we're going to do this morning is, as I'll explain a couple things, sort of frame and set up the morning, and then um, we're going to create some space in this teaching time that we would normally have for you to get in groups of two or three, and we're going to just interject some little space for reflection. I know the introverts in the room are like, I did not prepare adequately for this this morning. Anyway, you can do it. I believe in you. Uh, There's going to be some reflection, some solo reflection, not just discussion. But I I want to, it's so important that that we pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is saying and doing in each of our lives. And and this was too important this morning for us to, to just... Hear, hear a message and kind of move on. It's too easy for us to, to leave the opportunity to reflect on the table and discuss and share where we're at. So we're going to have some guided questions and reflection as we go through this this morning. I promise it will be mostly painless. But uh, it, it will be Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 to 7. In my Bible, it's on page 654. That will help no one in the room. Uh, So here's what we're going to do. Let let me frame what we're going to do this morning. We'll read the passage. I'll give you a little bit of context. And then I'm going to set you up for your first space to reflect and discuss. Sound good? All right. A couple of ground rules, though. Uh, When you are sharing and discussing, uh, I would just ask this morning that you let people share and share their, their piece, but please do not um, like correct them or interject or actually that's not accurate or, or whatever. Uh, let people just sort of explore the space, if you will, uh, and, and, and get out kind of what they're sensing, okay? We're all learning how to follow Jesus in our own journeys, and this is kind of how we build that muscle to learn how to do this uh, for ourselves. Uh, so, so don't short-circuit someone's uh, processing. Does that make sense? So just let them, and if there's something that's bothering you or confusing you, let it be an opportunity, those of you who have taken emotionally healthy spirituality, let it be an opportunity to turn to wonder and wonder, huh, I wonder why this bothers me, what they're saying, or I wonder what their life has been like that's led them to, the, uh, to, led them to that conclusion. Uh, so you take an opportunity to do that. Here's the other thing I will ask is please keep your, your responses in the discussion brief because we do have a limited amount of time. Uh, and so I, I will, a couple points, direct you to reflect for a long period of time and try to respond in like one sentence. Maybe you can have two. But please try and keep it short to honor everyone to be able to share and discuss, okay? Sound good? Are we ready? All right. Let's, let's frame today's teaching this way. Uh, there was a, the, a band probably none of you have heard of in, in 1965 called the Rolling Stones, and they released a song that year called Satisfaction. Anyone ever heard it? A couple of you. Okay, good. 
and, and this song, I, I was reading a little bit about it this week. It was a time in 1965 of a lot of dis-ease, a lot of turmoil. Some of you know it as your life. I know it from a history book. And um, that's okay. I was talking to someone, uh, was it last week? They were talking about how 9-11 is in a history book. And that made me feel uh, old too. So, you know, we all have our moments. But anyway, 1965, from what I understand, was a time of dis-ease. It was a time of turmoil, right, in our culture, in our society. Uh, there was so much uh, frustration, irritability, turmoil that we and many Americans were experiencing. For, for some, it was the first time they were seeing or experiencing any form of racial injustice as it was televised for the first time. No one had ever seen it actually taking place before. The war in Vietnam was being protested by many. There was significant increase in the glorification of drug use, uh, of, of sexual promiscuity. Uh, there, there there was an increase in, in economic turmoil, prices on the rise, inflation. There was so much uncertainty about the future. And there seemed to be a longing for something to get settled inside of us. Because as much as there was external turmoil and, and, and such, there was also an internal turmoil that many were, were facing. And, and one uh, journalist and, and writer who, who wrote about the, the Rolling Stones observed that this song, Satisfaction, began to just kind of speak to the, to the irritability and the restlessness that society in the United States was experiencing. That key line, I can't get no satisfaction, was just sung repeatedly over and over and over again. And it really described our sense of dis-ease as a culture. And I think that song actually in many ways can help provide some context for our own sense of dis-ease and dissatisfaction and restlessness that we experience in our society today for some similar reasons and some different reasons. Sure, we, we're still facing some racial and cultural issues, some social issues, some political issues. We're also experiencing that increasing strain of eggs being expensive for some reason at the grocery store. Why on earth are eggs expensive? They've always been cheap. Cost of living increasing, childcare costs increasing. Uh, there's, there's other basic things in life that just seem to keep going up. You know what I'm talking about? Is your, is your stress level going up as I'm talking about this? You're like, thanks for reminding me I came here to escape this. And, and we live in this age where, where we're concerned at the same time as costs are going up. We kind of have this thing of like... I need some sense of satisfaction here. It'd be really nice to have X. You can fill in the blank. You probably already did. Some material possession. Maybe it's not material, financial. Maybe it's a relational thing. Maybe it's success in your career. Maybe it's a promotion. Maybe it's a pay raise. Whatever it might be. And, and then we find ourselves trying to fill that longing. 
I find often when I feel dissatisfied in this, in this culture, in the society that we live in, when I'm feeling a little bit like I can't get no satisfaction, I find myself trying to search out some kind of experience or material comfort or thinking I need that little more success or recognition in, in my life. So maybe I'll go out for a meal or buy that new toy for that new hobby, or maybe I'm going to just chase that sense of affirmation in a relationship or in a career space that, that maybe is like not really what I need. And anyone resonate with what I'm talking about? You, you feel that sense of then finally you get that thing, that material comfort, that new experience, that new relationship, that promotion, that pay raise, whatever it is. I got the thing. If I just get this, it's going to settle down. If I just get this complete, it'll set it down. Once my kid is back in this place, then I'll settle down. Once this season is over, then things will get better. And, and what happens is it's like better for a little bit, and then something else kind of like emerges. We're like, I kind of need that too. And then uh, everything will be better. You know what I'm talking about. We go into this cycle of reaching for something, getting because we believe it'll satisfy us, and then we get it, and it's great for a short season, and then all of a sudden we're like, you know, that, actually what I needed was that. And it just kind of keeps building and building. Psychologists actually have a name for this. They call it the hedonic treadmill. You ever heard of this? The hedonic treadmill, it's this idea that we, we set our sights on a desire. You see that at the top of the, the graph here. And, and we strive for it, we run for it, we obtain it, we enjoy it. And there's actually a chemical reaction going off when we've succeeded, we've won. It's like a reward thing that fires off in our brain. And for a short season, we feel amazing. We accomplished that, that career goal. We purchased that new toy and started that new hobby. We, we've gotten this new affirmation. Our relationship's in a better place. Our kids are settled down in this season. We've obtained it. We've enjoyed it. But then what happens, uh, psychologists say, is, is our chemicals kind of balance out in our brain. And the thing that was new and nice and amazing is now normal. And now it's not as exciting. And now I'm going, you know what would make me feel better and more satisfied is that. And we set our sights on a new goal. And what happens is the treadmill continues. And because of, of the society we live in, because prices are going up, a lot of especially the material desires are causing people to go further and further into debt. It's causing painful issues to crop up in relationships because we're, we have expectations for a relationship to feel new and exciting all the time. And after a while, a relationship doesn't feel that way. And all of these different patterns are emerging and, and happening. And, and eventually, we find our all, all ourselves singing along with Mick Jagger. <laughs> I can't get no, you know it, satisfaction. Total tangent, but there's been a ton of covers of that song that are really interesting. We can talk about that another time. Um, but, but I find, and perhaps it sounds like you find yourself chasing these things that might satisfy, but then you have to get back on the treadmill at some point. And the thing about a treadmill is, I don't know if you use a treadmill, but it's really depressing. You don't actually go anywhere. You do all that work and you haven't gone anywhere. And this is what happens. 
But what we're going to read here, and this is what I wanted to frame for you, what we're going to read in Isaiah, and we're going to give you space to reflect and discuss on, is the good news, and we sang about this a little this morning, the good news that this passage will reveal to us today is that the Lord Jesus made you, and that he made you for himself. And that when you chase him, when you seek him, when you run after him, you will truly be satisfied. There was a North African bishop, Augustine of Hippo, who said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord. And our heart is restless until it rests in you. So let me just ask you to just take your soul temperature for a moment. How restless are you? How restless are you? Are you pretty restless? Kind of restless? Extremely unsatisfied? Is it possible you might be chasing the wrong thing and need to make some adjustments? Is it possible that we might need to look elsewhere for our satisfaction? Is it possible that sometimes we think, yes, Jesus is my satisfaction, but our behaviors in our life demonstrate that we actually believe something else is our satisfaction? So those are the questions, some of the questions we're going to explore this morning and reflect on. So let's read together Isaiah 55, 1 through 7. I love these words. God speaks to his people and says, Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money. Come, take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Amen. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfailing love I promised to David. See how I used him to display my power among the peoples. I made him a leader among the nations. You also will command nations you do not know, and people unknown to you will come running to obey, because I, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, have made you glorious. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, as we reflect and discuss this morning on what you are saying to us through your word, I pray that you will Open our ears to hear, our minds to understand, and our hearts to receive and know what you are saying. In Jesus' name, amen. So very briefly, let me just give you some context and set you up for your first discussion here. 
So these words of Isaiah in chapter 55 uh, are, are part of a section of the book of Isaiah that starts all the way back in chapter 40. This is known as the book of consolation in Isaiah. And this chunk of his writings, it's, it's coming after a series of statements about judgment. Uh, really, when we say judgment, we're talking about consequences of, of what people have done. And like, here's what's going to happen now because of past sins, and and God now is about to encourage his people and give them a vision for what's to come. And in in chapter 40, he starts off by saying, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell her that her sad days are gone and her sins are pardoned. And then God begins to just unfold this plan of comfort and restoration for his people throughout uh, the next following chapters. You're introduced to the suffering servant. This is a prophetic image that would be fulfilled in Jesus. This suffering servant who would be so horribly treated and oppressed, and he would look very unsuccessful by our standards, but surprisingly, he would be the one that would rule the earth. And he would restore all things. The suffering servant would take on all of the failures and the punishments of everyone else and would redeem everyone through his actions. It would be cause for everyone to celebrate and all the old disappointments, the the injustices, the setbacks, the pains, the failures would be redeemed and vindicated through the suffering servant. And so now, God said all this. He's laid out just how good life is going to be through his servant, who we we know is Jesus. And he's making this invitation, finally, to all who feel the exhaustion. Everyone who feels worn out, disappointed, oppressed, stuck in cycle after cycle of dissatisfaction. Any of you thirsty? Even if you can't afford it, come on, eat and drink. Listen to me, he says. This is good. Eat what is good. You'll enjoy the finest foods. He says all these things. Augustine, we're reminded again, says that this is the setting of him saying, we're made for you, Lord, and, and our hearts are restless till they find rest in you. And here's God saying, I know you're going to be restless until you rest in me. Come here, listen to me. Here's the words I have. Feast on what I have to offer you. You are going to find satisfaction that you could not imagine. And, and so this is going to lead us to our first reflection here. This is an invitation an invitation to find a new satisfaction in Jesus. So, so we're going to just put these questions up here for your reflection. I want you to take about five minutes to reflect. And then you're going to take two to three minutes to, to share with one or two other people around you. Uh, but here's the question to reflect on from this first portion here. This free food, this satisfaction that's not going to cost you anything. Don't waste your money. Don't waste your time on something that's not going to satisfy you. Come here and get this. So the first question that we need to ask is, what is it that we're chasing? What are you chasing? So I want you to spend a few minutes doing this. Look at your daily behaviors, your routines, your calendar. You're spending. 
and answer this just to yourself. What sticks out to you about those patterns? And what do these tell you about what you believe you were made for? You're just going to spend about five minutes or so reflecting and then two to three minutes to share with, with one person. You're just going to share in like one sentence your, your response to what are you chasing. Go ahead and take some time to do that. So that was the invitation, that, that jolt to the system of God saying, hey, I know you're dissatisfied. Come find something better. And so we ask ourselves first, what are we chasing? But the next thing is, is in the midst of searching and longing for satisfaction, God begins to offer a promise in verses 3 to 5. And, and G, it begins to lay out some of the, the Lord's amazing benefits that he's going to do in and through us. He's, all the ones he's listed previous to this section and about how he's going to restore us and forgive us and, and bring uh, righteousness and vindication of all, every wrong that's been done in the world. He talks about David and, and the life David lived. And he's like, I, I'm going to do the same thing and give you the same unfailing love that I gave to David. Go and read the story of David in, in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel sometime. It's amazing. And you begin to see how much God stuck with him. It's amazing. And God's saying, I'm going to do the same thing in your life. You're going to have influence and bring people to know me uh, that you don't even know. And, and it's going to be incredible. And, and there's this amazing set of promises that goes far beyond what's listed here. But sometimes I, I can be a little bit numb to reading these kinds of lists of promises in the Bible. And it can be very easy to gloss over it. And I don't spend time adequately reflecting on how these might satisfy some of the longings in my life. Some of the desires in my life. So what could God be trying to teach you about how he satisfies our needs when we come close to him. That's the first thing he says here. Come and listen. You got to come near to me. Have your ears wide open. We tell our kids, listen. And now them just hearing it and then going and doing what they want doesn't mean they've listened, does it? No, 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 no. They need to put what we have said into action. And God is saying the same thing to us. Come here. Come, no, come here. No, come back over here. Come here. Okay, listen. Nope. Okay. Listen to what I'm saying. That's how we are. That's how we are all the time. I'm the same way. But when we begin to slow down and listen, God begins to share with us and promise to us and satisfy us in the deepest places of our desire and longing. Did you know that God knows your deepest longings and desires better than you do? better than you do. You think like, oh, this is what I need. And God's like, let me tell you what you really need. <laughs> and then we go, oh, this is awful. It's because we're focusing and chasing the wrong things. This is awful. We think we're made for something different than we're made for. So here's the second set of reflection questions for you. Do you believe that Jesus satisfies? Now, belief is a funny thing in the scriptures. It does not mean intellectual assent, meaning, yes, I agree with that fact. The sky's blue, right? 
It, it involves a change of action, a change of behavior. That is when belief is happening in, in the way the Bible talks about belief. So do you believe Jesus satisfies? Some sub-questions to help you reflect on that. What do these promises of satisfaction here reveal to you? Does your behavior reflect or not reflect that Jesus satisfies? And do you perhaps have a story that comes to mind for yourself of when he has satisfied you and you've experienced his satisfaction? That can often give you a clue into how he satisfies and works in your life. So, so the big question you're trying to come to is, do you believe Jesus, Jesus satisfies? And you can look at examples in your life of yes and no. There's probably spaces for, of both experiences in your life. And just spend a few minutes reflecting. And then again, in a very brief answer, a sentence or two, speak with those around you. But let's start with about three minutes of reflection here and reflect on those promises. And you might want to have the passage of Scripture open, reflect on verses 3 through verses 5, and just see if the Spirit of God highlights anything to you. Okay. Our final section is a call to action. A call to action. So there's been an initial invitation by God. Hey, I want you to, I'll frame this this way and say this. I want you to know this is not Pastor Andrew giving you an invitation and trying to convince you that Jesus satisfies. That's why we're doing this a little differently and creating space for you to meet with God in the midst of this because you really need to be convinced that this is God's invitation to you not mine. And so there's an initial invitation that God is making and, 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 now, and saying that this is the most satisfying thing you're going to experience. He's given examples of, of how you're going to be truly satisfied in the Lord. And now there's a call to action. I want you to just imagine Jesus standing before you. I love, these words were just hitting me all week. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. And a couple different times this week, I just had to stop my, my study and just be with him because I was, I was just, I was personally very challenged by those words. Am I doing that enough? Am I aware and attentive or am I just like, Nope, YouTube, here we go. Whatever it is. And in this passage, God is right here before you. Imagine him right here before you. He is right here before you. The scriptures say that where there's two or more gathered in the name of Jesus, Jesus is right there. So Jesus is here among us. Waiting for your response to his invitation, what will you do? And he says four things in verses six and seven. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong and let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously, generously. We seek. We need to come with a diligence and intentionality. We need to be proactive, understanding that God is waiting for us. He's near. The time is now. 
We need to change our desires to long for him. Some of us, we, we need to be honest, and I, I'm this way a lot. I'm like, I really don't want to seek him. I'm kind of good when we're really honest. And, and the prayer that I pray often when I feel that way is, God, help me to want to want you. Help me want to want you because I just really don't. So first we need to seek, and then he says we need to call. Calling on God is simply being before him in worship, waiting on him in silence and stillness, going to the scriptures, expecting him to show up, meeting with him, carving out space before him, bringing your need first and foremost to him, asking him for help, making your daily reflex to turn to him, not another when there is trouble. That is what it looks like to call on him. We're looking for a specific kind of bunk bed for our daughters right now. And I was just kind of chatting in group text with a couple old friends of mine. And one of them sent me the most annoying question back. He's like, if you ask God about it, it was so annoying. It was Craig. <laughs> Craig, you're never listening to this podcast, but if you do, thanks. But it was annoying. Um, and I was like, you know what? He's right. I did not call on the Lord in that situation. I was trying to figure it out myself. I'm still trying to figure it out myself. Facebook marketplace is a jungle and only the strong survive. But, but we need to, our reflex is never to call on him for help and it needs to be to call on him for help. And then the call is to change. We, we see the spaces in our, our life where our behavior is not lining up with what it looks like to believe that Jesus satisfies. And, and the word used here is to forsake to change, to, to leave the old thing, recognize this thing is old in my life, this old behavior, this old action, this old thing, this is not helpful for me to truly be satisfied. And I need to head, I need to let this go, I need to remove it, I need to confess it, you know, because you can't hold something that God wants to give you if you're holding that old thing. There's no room. The old has to go so the new can come. And so we need to change. We need to forsake the old. We need to lay it down. And then finally, we need to turn. We turn in the other direction. We actively change direction, change behavior, move towards the new thing that God is doing in and through us. The thing right now that he's poking at saying, it's time. It's time. New behaviors, new routines, new habits, new postures, new commitments. Turn towards whatever it is the Spirit is inviting you into. I can't stress this enough. You can't turn into the old thing unless you're willing to forsake the old thing. I can't stress. We get so stressed because we feel like I've got to add another thing to my to-do list. I've got to add another thing into my life. But God's like, I'm not asking you to take on more. I'm asking you to put down a bunch of stuff so you're doing less. Seek, call, change, and turn. Spend a few minutes reflecting on this, some questions for you. Finally, how is the Holy Spirit inviting you to seek Jesus, call upon Jesus, change your behaviors, or turn towards God's promises? Short reflection, just a couple minutes, and then I want you all to share what he is calling you to. Seek, call, change, and turn. Go ahead. Reflect and then share with each other. Now here's what we're going to do. 
Would you, just with the people you have been discussing with, can you just take a minute to pray for each other? They've just shared something that the Spirit is like calling them to. God's, that, if the Spirit's calling you to do something, there's sort of an expectation that God, God has on you. In a good way. It's empowering. So you need to pray for that person right now. Because God's having them step into something new maybe they've never done before. So go ahead, pray for each other right now. Pray for strength, pray for encouragement, pray for wisdom, pray for a tenacity and a perseverance to keep going. Just we're wrapping up praying for each other. Uh, just going to ask, Matt, can we, uh, do we, does anyone need communion? We're going to take communion in just a minute. Does anyone need communion? We've got a hand up for communion. We're coming. I don't know. Uh, we got one in the back. Oh, here's Matt. Thanks, Matt. Matt, I need one too, actually. You can grab, the, grab these guys first. Anyone who needs communion, who wants to take communion, would you keep your hand up? Go ahead, finish praying for each other if you need to finish praying for each other. Everyone get communion that needs communion. Good. Anyone else? I want us to, to take this together and then we're, we're just going to sing a chorus and a bridge briefly to, cl- to close just as a, a commitment to step into what the Spirit is calling each of us to. Would you stand with me? Was this helpful to do this a little differently this morning? Some of you? Introverts, how bad was it? It wasn't too bad wasn't terrible. You didn't die. You're still here. It's amazing. Hey, let's celebrate because this is all possible. The fact that we can even talk about leaving the old and stepping into the new is because Jesus made a way. In his body, he took on all of the old, all the sin of the world. And he died for us take it eat and remember. Take the cup as well. The blood of Jesus Christ. He says this is the blood of the new covenant. The covenant that we just read about in Isaiah that you're going to walk in the full satisfaction of everything God has for you. This is the cup that satisfies. Take and drink. Thanks so much for joining us today. If this podcast has been helpful for you to know Jesus and make him known, then check out our website for more sermons and other resources, theplantchurch.org.